All right, guys, let's, let's pray real quick for our service. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again today, Lord, just to thank you for this opportunity to open your word, Lord, just to, to maybe learn more about you, Lord. And as we learn about you, we also learn about ourselves and, and where we fail you, Lord. And I ask you just to, to open our eyes and open our hearts today, Lord. And, and Lord, just, just be with us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys, we're going to continue, continue talking about the, the attributes of God that we started talking about. And uh, the more you, you, you study into the attributes of God, the, the, more, uh, the more you get. So it just keeps going. And today we're going to talk about God is omnipresent. He's omnipresent. And that omnipresence, it's a compound word, right? And it consists of a prefix, which is omni, which means all. And the root word is, is, is present. So it means all present. That means God is all present. That means he is everywhere at the same time. And that, that's a hard concept to get. And we're going to go through that. But he is everywhere at the same time. Okay. And, and, and God is the only being that, that has that ability. You know, Satan is on this earth, but he can't be everywhere. Okay. He has his little demons running around with him, but God is the only one that can be everywhere at all times. Right. And that's omnipresent. And let's go to first Kings and start off talking about this. First Kings chapter eight. First Kings chapter eight and verse 27 is what we're going to read. The Bible says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens. That's a lot right there. The heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less is this house that I have builded? So, you know, we see here, we're talking about, they're, they're building the temple of God, right? They're talking about this temple of God they're going to build. And it says that, that you know, even the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. So how can this little temple contain him, right? It's like our little church. How can this church contain him? Well, God's here. He's here. He's everywhere. He fills this temple. He fills this church. But yet he's everywhere else too, okay? And that's what we're looking at. And you're, you're talking about, you know, space, right? Space is a physical reality, right? That's, that's matter. That's something Charlie would think about. I can't think about things like that. But you have matter, which is physical space, right? And then you have being, which is energy. So you have matter and energy, right? And they exist, okay? And that's what our world is. That's what the, the, the heavens where the stars are. That's what all the stars are and all the planets and all the plants and everything under the water and everything everywhere is matter and energy, matter and energy, right? That's space, okay? Well, God is in all of that, but guess what? He's also outside of that. He's everywhere, He's beyond what we can see, beyond what we can even comprehend, right? And let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 2. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, in verse 6, the Bible says, and here they are talking, Solomon is talking about the temple. It says, but who is able to build him, him, him a house, seeing the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I? 
then that I should build a house, save only, uh, save only to burn sacrifice before him. So here he's talking about that. Solomon's talking about that temple they're building. He says, how can I build a little temple to contain a God that is everywhere? He's even beyond the heaven of heavens, right? He's everywhere. He's infinite. He's unlimited. God is not limited by space. His entire presence fills the entire entirety of the universe that we can see and beyond at every moment. And that's a huge concept to even think about. And you probably drive yourself crazy thinking about it. You just need to accept it. Right? So let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalm chapter 139. Psalms chapter 139. And we're going to read verses 7 through 12, right? Let's read this. It says, the Bible says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I fall, <clears throat> shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If my, I make my bed in hell, be, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Okay, well, we see what is it we're talking about? We're talking about if you read this entire Psalm 139, it's a real great Psalm and it shows God's greatness. It shows his omniscience. It shows his omnipresence and it shows his omnipotence. Right. But we're talking about God is everywhere. OK, we cannot hide from him. We cannot get away from him. And we think about, you know, we have daytime and then we have nighttime. We have daytime, we have nighttime. They're the same to God. They're nothing. You can't hide in the darkness and you, there's nowhere you can go to hide from God. God is everywhere. And let's look at Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23, 24. Jeremiah 23 in verse 24. The Bible says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill the heaven? Do, I, do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Okay? God fills the entire earth and the entire heaven and the heaven of heavens and the heavens where he's at that we can't see and then beyond. There's nowhere you can go to hide from God. Okay? Let's look at Romans. Romans 8, 9. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 9. The Bible says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ... He is none of his. But what we're talking about there is that God is not only in the earth and he's not only in all the heavens and is not only in all the whatever it is beyond space, right? Beyond created space. But he's also inside of you if you're a Christian. 
If you've accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, God is inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. So imagine that. You can't, if you're saved, you can't even get him out of you. He's inside of you. You know? And you're going to go do your sin and think he doesn't see it? Ooh, no, I don't think so. But it even gets deeper than that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do y'all think he's omnipresent yet? He is. Look at this one. 6.19. The Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Ouch. So if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is inside of you because Christ paid for your sins on that cross, right? He bought you. He created your body, and then he bought your body. That's kind of funny, you know? That's like you build a house, and then you sell it, and then you buy it back. So he owned it when he created it. He owned it when he saved it. And he fills it with his Holy Spirit when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. That's pretty much everywhere, right? God is everywhere at all times, right? However, God's spirit is in those who are saved. He's inside of you. Those who are not saved, the Holy Spirit's not in them. But guess what? He still owns their body because he created it. And you know what? He still died for their sins, even though they're rebelling against him. Okay? So if, if our body is his temple, this is a whole separate message, but... Should we be doing things to our body that hurt it? You know, like multiple piercings where they have them all over the faces and everywhere. Tattoos. What do you put in your body? Do you put in things that help it or hurt it? You know, smoking and drinking and drugs. Not good for the temple, is it? Just like this church. Would we come in here with spray paint and graffiti everywhere? Would we take a hammer and punch holes in the walls? Not if we respected this house. And God owns this house. He owns your body. Okay? He's inside of it if, you, if, you're, if you're saved, right? So let's look at Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 26, verse 15 says, the Bible says, Look down from thy holy habitation, from heaven, and bless thy people Israel and the land which thou hast given us as thou swearest unto our fathers a land that flowed with milk and honey. So look down from thy holy habitation. What's that? That's his holy home. That's the place where God the Father dwells. That's in heaven. That's a heaven we cannot see. Okay? We see the heavens where the birds fly around. And then we see the heavens where the stars and the moon and, and planets and everything's flying around. But there's a heaven beyond that. And that's where God the Father is. That's his home, right? And it says that he looks down us from heaven. So wherever this heaven is, he's there and he's looking down on us. He has some good vision, doesn't he? This is a long ways away. Because we can't see it. Even with our biggest telescopes, we can't see it. And let's look at 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 8. Let's look at this real quick. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 30. <clears throat> the Bible says, And hearken 
thou to the supplications of thy servant and of the people of Israel, when they shall pray toward this place and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. And when thou hearest, forgive. They're talking to God, right? Because God is everywhere. And it says he can not only see us from heaven, he can hear us from heaven. So he has the best vision and the best hearing. That's amazing. You know, what do we do when we start getting older? You know, my eyes, uh, you see, I need glasses. I don't think God needs those glasses, does he? And, you know, I don't know if it's a husband-wife thing, but, you know, wife's calling and you're like, I didn't hear you. Is that selective hearing or really getting hard of hearing? Who knows, right? But God doesn't have those problems. Because why? He is everywhere. Okay? Psalms 33. Let's look at this one. Psalms 33. And let's read verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. So God the Father is in heaven. Okay. We know he's everywhere, but God the Father is sitting in heaven. And he looks down from heaven and he sees. And the two things I want you to look at in those two verses. He sees every person. Okay. He sees all the good people. He sees all the bad people. He sees every person. There's not one person on this earth or if they're in a spaceship out in space or on the moon or whatever planet they may fly off to that he is not looking at them at all times. It's not like yeah, I can go to the moon and you know land on the moon and run around on the dark side of the moon where there's no sun and he can't find me. He's there. He was there before I got there. Right? You cannot hide from him. Okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I, 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 it's not funny. It's kind of sad, actually. You think about it. One day when God returns, there will be men that stand on this earth, earth that God created, and their little bodies that God created, and shake their fists at this God. It's going to be a scary day for them. Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 9. You know, I also think about there's people that live their whole life against God and it's sometime near the end of their life. They're almost at death. And I've heard these stories about people going there and witnessing to them. And they'll just tell you flat, flat out, I don't care about God. I don't want to hear about it. Get out of here. You have no idea what you just did, you know. Well, let's get back to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible says, And after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is everywhere, but God the Father is in heaven. We, we've firmly established that, right? God the Father is in heaven. God the Son was in heaven. He came down here, died for us, and he went back to heaven. He's waiting to come back. When the God the Father says, go, he'll go. Right? Where's the Holy Spirit? God the Holy Spirit is here with us. He's our comforter. He's in us if you're saved, right? So God, like I said, God the Father's in heaven, right? And the natural result of God being omnipresent is his, his eminence and, and transcendence, right? And this means because God is omnipresent that he, he is with his creation, right? 
And at the same time, he's apart from his creation. Now think about it. It's kind of hard to get there. But he is with the things he created, but he's also separate from the things he created because he's so holy, right? And let's look at some of that. Let's look at Jeremiah. Back to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah 23, and we're going to read verse 23 again. Jeremiah 23 Verse 23, the Bible says, and we read this, but let's read it again. Am I a God, am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Not a God afar off. So what are we looking at this? We're talking about God is a God as he is in heaven, right? He's a God in heaven, yet he's a God that is close to us at all times. Because he's here with us as the Holy Spirit. He's not afar off. You know? And that's what I'm saying. You, you think about it. You know, you, you do your little sin and you think you didn't know. Or maybe you just don't even think about it. But you think, oh, nobody knows. Nobody knows what I did. Well, God does. You know, it's like when people go into the store and they, they slip something in their pocket and don't pay for it. Yeah, nobody caught me. I got away. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. There's a big loss prevention officer in heaven. His name's God. He watched you, right? You know, you cheat on that exam and you pass. You think, I made it. No, you didn't. God knows. God knows, right? So we see that God is, 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 is he's here with us. He doesn't go for us. God exists both as eminence and transcendence, transcendence at the same time, Okay. And, and to focus on just one or the other, that would lead us into error if we just focused on his eminence or his transcendence, right? If we focus only on God's eminence, this leads us to believe that the universe is God and not the God created by the universe. And how many religions do we see that? They believe that God is just an all-encompassing God that's in everything. He's in rocks and trees, and, and he is, in a sense, but not the way they see it. They're focusing on this and, and they, they get into believing that, that, that God is a metaphysical religion. That's what they're, they're getting into. And they're, they're taking this position that they believe God is everything and everything is God. Well, everything was created by God, but that rock is not a God. That rock is a creation of God. If he wants to be inside that rock, he can we even know the Bible says if he wanted to make rocks worship him, they could. Okay? But that tree and that rock and that water buffalo are not gods. They're creations of God. Okay? So you can't focus on that. Now, if you also only focus on his transcendence, this leads us to believe that God is so separate from his creation that he is not personally involved with it. And we know that's a lie. Okay, but there are some religions that believe that have a belief that God is so separate that he has nothing to do with them and nothing to do with his creation. Those are usually the ones that are working. They're trying to do enough works to get to heaven, you know, because they say, well, if I do enough good things, God may let me in. He's not separated from you. He's with you, but he's also holy enough to be separate from you. That's the holy God. That's the one God. That's the one we're talking about. And what is that called? That's called omnipresence. He's everywhere, right? So let's look at Jeremiah. We're still in chapter 23. Let's read the next verse, 24. 
It says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord. That's just almost a joke, right? He's laughing. Do not I fill heaven and earth? Saith the Lord. Wow. Because God is omnipresent. We cannot escape from him. Now, we shouldn't want to be trying to escape from God, right? But we're sinful. And the rest of the world that don't know him and they're rebelling against him and their, their whole life's a fight against him, they're trying to hide from him. And that, that verse is, like I said, I, I could see God saying that with a smile on his face because he knows he's an omnipresent, right? So let's go to Job. Let's look at this. Job chapter 34. Job 34. Go back a few books. Job chapter 34. I heard a radio, listen to a radio program the other night, and uh, the commentator was asking people, if, if you could be God, what is one thing you would change? And people were calling in. They were, there were some stupid things, but I was thinking, Nothing. He did it right. It's perfect. What do you want to change? You know? Job 34, 21 to 22. The Bible says, For his eyes, this is God's eyes, right? For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness, nor shadow of death. Think about that. Where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. That's pretty rough, right? Because God is omnipresent. We cannot hide from him. Not even death can hide us from God. Okay? That right there is proof of an afterlife. Because think about it. If we just lived our life and we died and it was over, and there was no more, nothing else, why would you even care if you're hiding from God? Because you're done. Right? It says even death can't hide you. So there's something after death if you're hiding from God, right? That's because we're trying to hide our sin from him. And you can't even hide it, not even in death. Because you can live your life against God all your life. You can rebel against him. You can sin all your life and do what you want. And you're going to die and you think, ah, I'm done. Nope. Because the next instant you're going to open up your eyes and you're going to be somewhere. Okay? You're going to be either in heaven or hell. And one day you'll stand in judgment in front of this God you fought, right? You can't even hide from him in death. Let's look at Amos, a book that we don't read very often. Let's look at Amos chapter 9. Near the end of the Old, Old Testament there. Amos chapter 9 in verses 2 through 4. The Bible says, Though they dig in Dig into hell, thence shall mine hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence shall I bring them down. And though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, I will search and take them out thence. And though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence I will command the serpent and shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence I will command the sword and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. Okay? What is that? That's Lord, the God's judgment, right? The Lord's judgment on your sin. It says you can go anywhere, and it covers just about a bunch of places, right? 
We can go anywhere, but because he's omnipresent, we cannot run away from him. I like that. You're hiding in the depth, deepest depths of the sea. He's going to have a serpent come bite you. That's funny. That's just funny. Um, but that's, that's God's judgment. Right. You can't get away from God's judgment. You can't get away from it. Death. There's no mountain you can get on. There's no ocean you can get in. There's nowhere you can go. No forest thick enough. No night dark enough that you can hide from God's judgment. OK. And let's look at Genesis. Genesis 3, 8. The probably most famous, famous um, people that tried to hide from God. Genesis 3, verse 8, in the beginning, right? And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Ha ha, guess what? They couldn't hide, right? Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. Why? Because they had sinned and they knew it, right? They got to commune with God in this garden every day. He walked with them and he talked with them and he cared for them. And they had communion every day. They had fellowship every day, but they sinned. And what did they try to do? They sinned and then they heard God coming. You know, and what did they do? They ran in the bushes and tried to hide. Think about it when you were kids. I know I did. I would do something wrong. And I knew I did something wrong. I'd hear my parents, one of my parents coming. Man, I'm going to run and hide, right? It never worked. They eventually got me, especially when I come home at dark and try to sneak in the back door. You can't sneak in. God's waiting on you. You know, my dad was waiting on me. And he was waiting in the dark. I thought the darkness would hide me. Didn't happen, right? But we see Adam and Eve here. They tried to hide, right? They tried to hide. And you think about it. That, that's kind of a way we are today, right? It's a huge issue in, in the world today. We do wrong, and then we try to hide from God. We can't hide from God. And if we keep fighting against God, it starts affecting us, right? It affects us mentally, emotionally, physically, you know? God just takes his hand off of you and, okay, you're going to hide from me. I'm not going to protect you anymore. We're going to see how it's going to go for you. And you, we could come up with story after story after story of examples of this. You know, people that are unsaved, that, that rebel against God and their lives just fall apart. You know, people that are Christians and then they get off the path, they start sinning, doing something wrong. And God lets things happen to them. It's like, okay, we'll let you go your way. See how you like it, right? You can't hide from God, right? They tried to physically hide from God because of their sin. And what did they do? They broke their fellowship with God. You're hiding from him, but for a reason, right? You're breaking your fellowship with God. Let's look at old Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. The other one that's pretty famous, right? So they, Adam and Eve are hiding from God. Let's see what Jonah's doing. Jonah chapter 1 in verse 3. And listen to this. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Well, we know the rest of that story, right? Jonah 
was told by God to do something. And he ran. And did it work out for him? No, it was a huge failure. You see those videos today that say, you know, like fails. That was it. That would be right there. Jonah, there you're on a video. It's a fail because you're in a fish now. A smelly, nasty, stinky, slimy fish. And you're in there for days. And then you get vomited up on the beach. It's pretty gross, right? Why? Because he was trying to disobey God. God told him to do something. He didn't want to do it. He ran away. Do we do that in our lives? Does God tell us to do something? And we're just like, not going to do that. Guess what? You might not be swallowed by a fish, but you're going to have a Jonah moment. Okay? Because you can't hide from God. He sees it. He knows it. He's there. He's waiting on you. You know? He's waiting on you. I'm sure we've done that in our lives. We're trying to run from our parents, trying to hide from them. You know? And you, you think if I can get out this door and I can get away, and you open the door and your dad's standing there. It's a bad feeling. Same thing with God, right? You open that door. You're trying to hide from God. It's going to be a fail, right? Rather than trying to run away from God or trying to hide from God, what should we do? We should try to find ourselves running to God, right? Trying to be in his presence, not away from his presence, right? Let's look at Psalm 139 again. Psalm 139. Is anybody getting this yet? You can't hide from him. Psalms 139, verse 10. You know that, Mama? You can't hide from him. Psalms 139, verse 10. The Bible says, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. So God, God's omnipresence should be a comfort to us, right? We shouldn't be trying to hide from him, and we shouldn't be trying to run from him. We should let him be a comfort to us. That's what he wants to be. When we have that fellowship with God, he's our comfort. Why? Because he's always near us. So when, when we're right with God and we're in good fellowship with God and we're doing what he wants to do and we're being held by him, right? We're being hugged by God. It feels great. He's our comforter, right? But guess what? When we're wrong with God and we're trying to hide from him, guess what? He's still in the same place. He's still right there. You cannot hide from God, right? And let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Here we go. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So your body and your spirit are God's. They're not yours. But you should use them to glorify God, right? Excuse me. This is for Christians. This is not for the unsaved. This is for Christians. God is not only near us, right? He's also inside of us. God watches what you watch. God hears what you hear. God goes wherever you go. Okay? God hears everything you say. God also knows everything you think. So maybe you should be very careful with what you're doing with your life, right? 
That's pretty scary, right? So the price, the price paid e even for the unsaved, right? God paid that price even for the unsaved. Even before you were saved, God had already paid that price for you. You were already His. You're His temple. Don't ruin it. You know, but look at the world today. You think about it. Sin has got so bad that, you know, sex outside of marriage is expected. Okay? They call it a body count now. What's your body count? And it's popular among the younger people. What's your body count? It's like a, a badge of courage. Like I think about the old World War II planes. They would shoot down an enemy. And they put a stamp on the side of their fuselage, right? What's your body count? How many people have you slept with? Right? Look at sex. It's, it's crazy. Alcohol, drugs. And now what? Tattoos. There's people that have their whole body tattooed. They have their eyeballs tattooed. Their tongues tattooed. I mean, what are they going to do? Cut their flesh open and have, you know, let's go ahead and just tattoo my liver over here. What are you doing? They're rebelling against God because this is God's temple and they're doing everything they can to destroy it because they hate God. Okay? Well, guess what? God's there. He's watching. He knows what you're doing. Right? <clears throat> so, let's look at, um, let's look at Psalms 23 again. Psalms 23, 4. Psalms 23, verse 4. The Bible says, and we know this, this Psalms 23, but let's look at this one verse. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Wow. Okay. So no matter what you're going through, God's there says, don't be scared. God's there. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You know, you think about, you know, back during the Crusades, they were tying Christians to stakes and burning them. But there are stories of Christians that while they were being burned, they were still singing and they were happy. Okay, I don't know if I could be singing and happy if I'm being burned because I've just burned my finger and I lose my mind, right? But you think about it. How close was God to those people if they were still singing and happy as they burned. I think, you know, there's a story of God keeping somebody alive in, in a lion's den and somebody keeping him safe on a, on a, in, a, in a burning fiery pit that burned the guys that were outside of it, right? But he came out and his clothes didn't even smell. Y'all know that story? You think God can't be close to you even in your worst moments? Yeah, he can. None of us has ever been in a burning fiery furnace, have we? Or in a lion's den. You know, none of us have ever been on a stick or on a, on, a, on a stake being burned to death. God can be there. He's that close, right? That's because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Okay, let's look at this one. Let's look at Psalms 46. Psalms 46, verse 1. The Bible says, God, okay, not a God. You got to learn that. It says, God, the God, the holy God, the one in heaven, the one that created you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Not a, a, a present help, a very present. Do you understand that? 
He's there, right? He's your refuge. He's your strength. You know, you may have a spouse that's your refuge or your strength. You, or when your times are going bad, you may look to your pastor. You may look to your family members. You may look to somebody at work. But who should you be looking to? God. Because he's there at all times. Because I guarantee you, if you get in trouble, what do you do? You have a car wreck, right? What do you do? You get out your cell phone and you call whoever you're going to call, right? You're calling them because they're not there with you. But God is. He's in the car with you. Right. He is your refuge. He is your strength. And I love that. It says a very present, very present, not kind of present. Not you can call him on the cell phone and get him there pretty quick. Right. No, a very present help in time of trouble. This is our God. God is, is being so near to us. He's, he's around us. He's everywhere. He's also inside of us. You, this should be a great source of comfort to Christians, right? Especially in times of trouble. When you're going through it, we've talked about that valley, right? Sometimes it feels like you get in the valley and man, I can't get out of this valley. There's no way out. It's never going to end. Well, it doesn't matter. Stick it out and look to God because he's there. He's your very present in time of trouble. Okay. What, what do we do when, when times get tough, right? Who do we call? Who would you call today if something really bad happened? Right? Well, you'll call them eventually, but you should call on God first, right? Turn to God. Give your problems to Him. Let Him deal with them. He's much bigger, right? He's already there, right? But what do we do? In times of trouble, we get depressed, we go take some meds, right? Maybe we drink a lot of alcohol, you know, take some drugs, knock ourselves out so we don't have to deal with reality, right? Maybe we eat too much, right? Somebody be overeat when they're all stressed out, you have anxiety, and it goes on and on and on. And there's people that, believe it or not, get so stressed out, they kill themselves. But that God was right there the whole time. He's there every, through all this depression. He's there through the anxieties. He's there through everything, Right? But what should we do? We should get on our knees and pray to the God that's our what? Very present help in time of trouble, right? Even the movies get it right, right? When, when bad guys come running into the bank, what do they do? They point a gun at you and tell you what? Get on your knees. Even they, the world realizes that's a position of submission. You should be submitting to God. If you submit to God, then he will be that close, very present help in a time of trouble. Do you have trouble? Get on your knees, right? So let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. <clears throat> Matthew 28 and verse 20. This is a great verse. Matthew 28, verse 20, the Bible says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And this is Jesus Christ speaking. Teaching them all things uh, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. He doesn't say, I'm going to send you a counselor or a buddy or a friend. Or, no, he says, I am with you. I am with you. God is with you even until the end of the world. That means God is with you through all times. He's there through the good times. He's there through the bad. 
He's there when your kids are born. He's there when your family members die. He's there when you have that horrible crash. He's there when you get fired or you get laid off. He's there when you buy that brand new car. He's there. Do you understand how omnipresent he is? He's there. He says he will be there with us even until the end of the world. Okay, and we've already talked about that. The world is in that space, right? He's outside of that space. So he's even there beyond that. But he says, I'm with you. Let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 5. Is there any doubt God is not omnipresent? Hebrews 13, 5. <clears throat> the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Right? For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So our conversations, right, should be without covetousness. And you should be content with the things you have. Why? Because God says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Be happy with what God has given you. I don't have that Ferrari yet, and I probably never will. But I'll be happy with the old beat up Chevy I've got, right? Because that's what God gave me. It uses a lot of oil. It smokes out the tailpipe. It drips out the, I think it's the rear main seal. But you know what? God gave me that Chevy, and I should be content with it. Same thing with us. Be content with the, God, the, the, the spouse God gave you. They're going to make you unhappy, right? But love them. Love them like God loved you. What about your children? Do you ever want to just take a two-by-four and just beat them all? Even though they didn't do anything? But God gave you those children. You know what? When that egg and that sperm met, God created a, an individual life. And this is an amazing thing. That DNA strand in that child has never been present in this world before. And it will never be present in this world again. Because right. God created it. So love your children. Lead them. Yeah, you got to spank them sometimes. Not with the two before. But God is there, right? And there, is, there is nowhere we could go or nothing that we could get into that God is not already there. And he promises. What did he promise? He promises he will never desert us, never forsake us, never walk away from us. You know? How many people in your lives have walked away from you? Right? And that's great news, right? Even in the worst of times or at the lowest point in our valleys, God is there, and guess what? He's only a prayer away. You don't even have to have a cell phone. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to email him. You don't have to get on social media. All you have to do is close your eyes, bow your head, start praying. Okay? He's there. That's amazing. Even if you don't pay your cell phone bill, you don't have to pay a prayer bill, right? Can't get cut off. Uh, God does not have a size. He, he's everywhere at all times. Before God created everything, guess what? Before there was space, before there was measurement, before there was dimensions, before there was matter, before there was energy, God was there. God was there. And guess what? When it's all over, God will still be there. Okay? God is equally present everywhere. What does that mean? That means our God is omnipresent. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today. God, I hope that I, I, I did these verses 
justice, Lord. And, and I was able to explain them clearly. And, and it just makes me feel good to know that you're that omnipresent, Lord. And even that should make us feel so great in our good times, Lord. But it should make us feel great in our bad times, Lord, that you're there. And there's nothing that can take you away from us. That You promised that you'll never leave us or forsake us. That you're there with us to the end of the world and beyond. You were there before we were, we were even born, Lord. And you'll be there long after we're dead. There's nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. Lord, That I ask you just help us just draw close to you, Lord. And not run from you, Lord. And, and we just try to live our lives serving you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.